0: DJ and pk brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Time now to welcome in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Joining us. On the T-Mobile Special Guest Line. T-Mobile and Sprinter come together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Riley, good morning.
1: Good morning, fellas. What's going on?
0: College football is on the horizon. And I'm curious, you know, with the BYU practices closed and the other teams in the state not playing... If you're not feeling the football vibe, maybe you're disoriented because the Jazz playoffs just ended, so it's not time yet, on your sporting calendar, and 2020's got you all turned around. Or you feel like you know a lot about BYU, you're looking forward to this game to see if it confirms everything you know, and you're dialed in.
1: I would say I have one word for this, 2020. Hmm. I'm, I'm disoriented, I'm confused, I'm still reeling from a Jazz loss. And I I don't know what what I want to know about BYU and I don't know about Navy. It feels it just feels so weird, right? Like normally we'd be right in the thick of football season, we'd be right in the middle of knowing a lot, um, thinking we know a lot and, and waiting to see a little bit. So I'm I'm really, really interested to watch BYU play this weekend and I wanna see how, how this team has come together, I think that this has been an exercise in in mental toughness for everyone, coaches, players, all that kind of stuff. It's very difficult. Um, I, mean, I mean, think about think about BYU, who was planning on playing University of Utah first game of the year, then the schedule changes, and now it's even possible that there could be more games added to the season as they're going along. So I, it's it's different than it's ever been and I'm interested to see. It takes a mature group to be able to handle this, and I think BYU has a mature group. It'll just be interesting to see how they react.
2: You know, as a lover of all things at BYU that I am, it's not very difficult for me to just turn my attention to BYU since they're the only team playing. But you, being a longtime BYU hater, are you going to be able to do that? (laughs)
1: You're totally right. You're totally right. I've been I've been a, a very bitter non-supporter of BYU for a long time and I just I I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to watch. So you're right. You're right. No, I I have no problem. I I think one of the things that's fun for me being involved with Mountain West Elite is there's so many players that I've seen come through the program. There's so many so many kids that I've seen that I feel connected to their families. And I think that's what makes football really fun is when you feel connected to the program. So, I mean, Isaiah Kafusi's dad, he, he works with me at Mountain West Elite Football, and I've had him come and speak to the kids. I mean, he's just a fantastic, fantastic human being. Um, Zach Wilson I worked with um, both as a quarterback coach at Mountain West Elite. Uh, I know his dad. I talk to his dad all the time. Um, to see these kids come through, and then watch them play on the next level is really fun. So I feel a connection to every program in the state because kids are coming in and then going there. Um, it doesn't mean I'm best friends with them, but it gives you a little bit of a connection. And I think football, I think basketball, I think any sport that you're watching, when you feel a little bit of a connection to the players, it's really fun to watch.
0: Riley Jensen join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Our question of the morning who would have won that BYU Utah game that should be played, but is not? But,
1: but you know that's that's a hard that's a hard prediction to make. Only only in a sense that as as dominant as Utah has been in the series, the games have been so close, and I feel like this is one of Kalani's better teams. And I and I do feel like Utah kind of reloads now. But there would have been so many question marks And to play that game as the first game of the year. I know it would have been close. I know it would have been head scratcher, but I probably would lean towards Utah just because they've won every one of those close games, and I, yep, I, it's just BYU hard. Hater. I
2: have to,
1: I have to <laughs> pick, I have to pick Utah until BYU wins another one. I, I'll probably pick them every year until finally BYU breaks through, and then, then I'll have to be a little bit more reasonable. But I just feel like there's some sort of a, a mental game going on there that BYU doesn't think they can beat them in their head.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't say, uh, you know, until BYU beats them when I'm 100 years old. Add in
1: your biases. <laughs> so obvious, so obvious. I can see it. Don't hide it. BK, you've always been such a huge fan of BYU. I, I don't expect anything but this from you. No, I can like honestly say, hater.
2: growing up on Tioga Avenue in Precipiti, New Jersey, I was the only BYU fan I'm on my block. <laughs> That's honest. You're
1: being honest with us.
2: <laughs> I want to ask you something that, you know, I've been watching, they've been having high school football on, and you know, right now, uh like on last Saturday, I think they had like 12 hours. And then on yeah. Friday they had the Corner Canyon Bingham game, right? And and I've got a connection to Corner Canyon, longtime Charger fan. I've been a Corner Canyon fan for it's 15 weird, years. Weird cuz you now. used to call them Coral Canyon
1: until your connection Became, okay, and you know, you know what's uh, funny?
2: You, I'm going to get sidetracked here, but you'll laugh at this. Okay. So, right, my connection has just been the last few years, right? So right. Uh, in March, we're down at uh, we're down at St. George, and my wife says, hey, Corner Canyon is playing in a baseball tournament here at Pine View High School. We played golf. We got some time in the afternoon. You want to go over to watch them play? And I said, sure, yeah. And so we go yeah. over there. And uh, sit down. I'm sitting right there in the bleachers. And they're in the third base dugout. Guy looks at me. He says, "You're PK, right?" I said, "Yeah, yeah." He says, "Well, what are you doing here? I thought you hated these guys. You always call them Coral Canyon instead of Corner Canyon." <laughs> And I said, no, oh, that's Riley Jensen. He hated him, and he made oh, me call him. Oh,
1: <laughs> that's where you went with it. That's where you went with nice. it. Nice. Okay. okay, okay. Well played, P.K., when I can't defend myself down there.
2: <laughs> so, I did get an opportunity to watch high school baseball before the season ended, and, and I felt for those guys for sure, as we all did in all the
1: sports. Corner Canyon sure has it rolling right now. That's a, yeah, okay,
2: a... so I'm watching the game, right? And I see yeah. this this quarterback, uh, the kid named Dart, and Jackson. they're going on about him, and he just looks good, looks looks great. And then earlier in the week, this week, I see that uh, ASU offers him, right? And right. so my thought for you is how do you evaluate quarterbacks at the high school level when they're getting – like eight seconds to throw and the first option always seems to be open. Can you really get a true evaluation? How do you do that? and I was and I've actually been asking coaches this week at the college level how do you do that? And I, you're basically a college level coach you don't do it, but you play the position and you run the camps and you've been doing this for a long time so it's essentially asking a college coach when I ask you is how difficult it is in those situations to be able to evaluate a quarterback.
1: Well, there's I mean, there's there's more to just being wide Oh, I mean when it when it comes to college coaching, I think a lot of these guys are also they're 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 looking for these guys to pass the eye test. And when you watch Jackson Dart on Friday night against Bingham and I watched I watched the whole game, I have a connection to them. Brandon, his dad and I played against each other way back in the day. Um and, and I've known these guys for a long time, and he's been a starter at Roy High School. When I was at Alta, we played against him, and you could just see that he had some serious tools when he didn't have anybody around him. But one one of the things that I that I think college coaches, and, and I don't think this is a fair evaluation, but this is what I think college coaches think, they look at the game and they go, does he look like a Division One player? Does he look like he stands out? And I think right now Jackson Dart stands out more than any player in the state. Um, but you know, you know, you do bring up the point he has like 8 seconds to throw and i've watched coach care and i'm i'm friends with coach care so i don't think he'll get it i mean he's been ripping jackson for holding on to the ball too long i mean he's been ripping him like there's been a couple of holding penalties where he's blaming it on jackson not the offensive line he's like get rid of the ball what are you doing right you could see that and, during
2: the timeouts
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you can and um what I like, One of the things that I like about Jackson, if I was a college coach, is I see Coach Kerr rip him, and then he drives down the field in a minute and 44 seconds and throws a touchdown. And so there's a lot of things that go into evaluating a quarterback. But it's true, he has a ton of time to throw. He has unbelievable wide receivers. That's just a really, really good program and a really good team right now. But here's what I would say. If I was watching Jackson Dart, in, in all of my years of watching high school football, the one thing that I can say that stands out from any any high school uh, quarterback that I've watched, it's the quickest release from the time he puts his back foot in the ground to the time it comes out of his hand. It's the quickest release I've seen in high school football, and it's, it's really kind of fun to watch. Because by the time he decides to throw it, when his back foot hits the ground, it's it, – I mean – Look, he's not Dan Marino, but it, it, there's some some parts of it that remind me of that because it comes out so quick and so and so accurate when he's throwing the ball.
0: So he uh, he is uh, enamored with Arizona State right now, but they tend to bring in three quarterbacks a year. So my guess is that all of the local schools who were interested in him before are still interested in him now because they think there's a decent chance that if someone else were to win the job, he might be a bounce-back kid. We've seen kids transfer and come back to the state of Utah before. So I don't think the interest level drops in him. Uh, it's just kind of like they hit pause and think, okay, we're going to have to circle back and see how this plays out.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think Arizona State's the end-all be-all for him. I mean, I uh, you know... Apologies to the big BYU fan, um, PK, but I don't think you know that that Arizona State is that much better of an offer than you know BYU. But I know you're a big fan of both of those teams and have been forever. So I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. he might, he, you know, Utah State might have to worry about it a little, but they'll continue to recruit him for for a bounce back type option, you know. And I, I think what this does though is it opens it up. Jackson Dart will now get a much more focused look by teams like the University of Utah, by teams like Cal Berkeley, by you know all the Pac-10 teams or Pac-12 teams. And then maybe there's somebody like Texas Tech that comes in and takes a, a harder look at him with Matt Wells' connection to here and just says, hey, is this a guy that can play at, at, at this P5 level? So I think to, to his credit, He's played really well at the first of the year. And oftentimes college coaches are like, hey, you're on our list. We're watching you. We want to watch these first three, four games to decide what we're going to do. And he's knocked it out of the park in his first three, four games. So I could really see him getting probably like four more P5 offers. and And then he'll have to settle in and kind of decide what he's going to do. Yeah, my
2: intent of the question was not to focus on any individual high school kid. It was more general uh, on how you do it because you look at somebody like Jake Heaps, and I saw him play in high school, and it was the same type of deal. you know? And he was having big-time receivers, Pack 10 receivers, Pack 12 receivers at the time would be able to run down the field, and they'd always be open. And so it just seemed like evaluating this position – is so difficult because it's unlike any position that we have on the field basically uh, one of the guys in my conversations this past week was telling me that's why you can't you cannot go on film you have to see them in person and these things that you're looking for that you talked about that you just said you know the eye test and you have to see about uh, body positions and arm angles because when you get to the college level that yeah, you just don't know how it's going to translate, because what you draw up on the chalkboard a lot of times doesn't work, and you've got to be able to do things under pressure that cannot be simulated, and the only way they can be uh, basically known is when it actually happens. So it seems like it's a very complicated position to evaluate.
1: Oh, I think so, but I think I think one of the things you can do, and I know we're not single on that one player, but with Jackson Dart, you can go to his Roy film, his junior year, and watch him get hit under the chin every time he throws the ball, and see how he does. And uh, he was still considered a really good quarterback then. He didn't have all the guys around him, so I think that kind of happens. But when you when you have a dominant team like Bingham has had over the years, like Corner Canyon is building now, and really Corner Canyon is is building one of the more dominant runs ever in the history of Utah. I mean, twenty nine games in a row. I mean, those great skyline teams didn't do that. Those great big teams didn't do that. And I just felt like those teams won every freaking game. And so you start looking around and you're like, man but but when you when you watch somebody it's it's not hard to see that like Jackson Powers Light is down the field just just pancaking people. And it's not hard to see Cody Hagan running all over the field making blocks for Noah Care. I mean there are some things that you can evaluate that are just great team plays and great hustle plays that are going on. And, you know, I asked Coach Kerr about Corner Canyon. I'm like, what's different about coaching at Corner Canyon than than other high schools that you coached at? And he said, it's effort. You know, it's it, I don't have to coach effort. And he goes, it makes it really easy to coach when you don't have to coach effort all the time. And I, I thought that was a really interesting Um, comment from him about Corner Canyon and they're they're fun to watch it's a really good program so BYU
0: and Navy Monday night who's going to win that game
1: I mean I just I I, if BYU really is the team that everybody said they were going to be and 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 that this is a really really good team like I I just don't know how you can pick against BYU I mean um, you've got returning starters you've got Receivers, you've got running backs, you've got offensive line, you've got defensive returning starters. Um, I know that I know that there was a big injury with with Bushman, which is really really sad for him and his family and for BYU. But I just feel like I, I just can't pick against BYU right now. Knowing what we've known about the team in the past, moving forward, this should be a big year for Zach Wilson. I mean, I he should be able to step up. <laughs> And have a junior year that is, you know, that rivals some of the junior years of the, the BYU greats, and hopefully he'll stay healthy. So, so to me, I, I there's, there's not a game on BYU schedule that I, I, I kind of don't feel like they should win, or, and there's definitely not one that I don't think that they could win.
2: Yeah, I would agree with all that. I, I've been a believer in Wilson. I've had people in my ear tell me this kid is really good, and I've got no problem talking about individual college quarterbacks versus individual high school quarterbacks i want to shy away from that but the college quarterbacks you know it's it's game on when it comes to this and i believe in his ability i haven't quite seen it yet i don't think it's transpired to the level that i anticipated and there's various reasons and injuries being a factor and all that stuff but all that all that is behind him now and it doesn't look like the competition is the greatest and it's not going to be as good as it originally was expected with the schedule that they had had. Unfortunately, they can't play. So my thought for you, I'm expecting him to have a big, big-time season. How about you? Yeah, I think
1: I, I don't think there's any question that there, there's, there's a thought from a lot of us that he should have a big season. Um, I hate to put the word should on people. I hate to should all over people because it's just not – it's That's not fine. appropriate. That's but, not I would, <laughs> but I would say, I would say that the way that he's going to do that is with with better consistency, right? I mean, he's shown us flashes. He's shown us games that are just unbelievable. But we need to string a lot of those games together, and we need to string lots of completions together and drives together. And I think. If you look back at the history of BYU, which I you know, I grew up in Utah and, and BYU quarterbacks were, were huge on my mind growing up. But the the difference between the great ones and the good ones at BYU was not were all of them talented, did they have the ability to play in the NFL were the it was the consistency game in and game out of you know, it's not you know, what am I gonna get this week? It's gonna be no, you're you're pretty much gonna get if if Zach Wilson completes 65% of his passes this year, then he should really be 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 to start the game every game, and 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 to end the game every game. And it should be consistent all the way through. And I, I think that's what the great ones do. Uh, we we all love the flash in the pan. We all love him jumping and hurtling over somebody and then knocking the next guy down and staring him down. And we love the big throw at Tennessee because it shows you the flashes of what he can be but I want him, if if I were talking to Zach today, I want you to bore me with completions. Just bore me with completions all over the place. And I think that's what will, will help his legacy and help those big numbers to take place. It's just every day, just bore me with just tons of completions. And, and then when the flashy plays come, great. But just bore me with just over and over and over again, good, solid plays that you're supposed to hit.
2: It's funny you say the word about should because I was talking to some people the other day from Utah State, and they were saying that when you played quarterback up there that you really were a pile of should.
1: (laughs) Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Hey, you brought it up. (laughs) The good thing. The good thing about um, the comment that you just made is none of those guys were there when I was playing. So, whatever.
0: <laughs> All right, we should go to break, but one last okay. thing we have to touch on here to Yach's dismay because he's looking at the clock. Uh, the BYU defense... You know, there was a time when, because of the Mountain West Conference schedule, you know, BYU and Utah saw Air Force all the time. We saw it twice a year. It's like we felt like we were getting up to speed on Air Force and what needed to be done. But now if you haven't seen an option for a while, how is BYU going to handle Navy? And Navy doesn't have, you know, they, they had a great quarterback, but he's gone, so now they got to break in a guy. So that was always a factor at Air Force, whether they had a new quarterback or an experienced quarterback. But how do you think BYU is going to handle the option, and are we going to look up and see that they've given up you know, 295 yards rushing and a couple of long drives, and they can't get off the field late in the game when the offense really has it rolling, and they can't get the ball back to them? How's that going to work out?
1: So two two things, and I'll I'll be as quick as I can. One is a lot of teams that are running shotgun and spread are running a spread option, which is a version of this game. So it's not as different as it used to be to look at these concepts – and, and play against these concepts. now. The, and so I think BYU will adjust well because so many of these read-option teams, these are just their option-type they're option, um, plays. They're just out of the shotgun. So teams are a little bit more used to playing that type of football now. The only thing that I worry about with BYU is they're not traditionally um, really good man-to-man, and if they fall asleep, when you play against a wishbone team, when you play against an option team, you have to play a considerable amount of man-to-man because all of this about stopping the fullback and stopping the quarterback and stopping the tailback is man-to-man oriented. And if you fall asleep and if your corner gets bad eye discipline, then all of a sudden they're behind you with a deep post or they're behind you with a streak, and those can be daggers. And that's that's where a wishbone team becomes a little bit, scary. So that's what you need to watch for. Are the cornerbacks being disciplined in their man-to-man coverage and not getting their eyes caught in the backfield and the action that's going on in the backfield?
0: Riley, as always, we should have you on again.
1: I would love it. I would love it.
0: All right, next week we'll talk to you, Riley. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Riley Jetson, our college football insider, joining us every week right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
1: Now let's get this party started!
3: This is Hans Olson and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
4: And the head coach of the Naval Academy, Ken
0: Take us back to that moment where you found
2: out that BYU would be the opener for your football squad. I knew that there would be a team that would have the resources to make sure that their team and their staff was safe. So I just brought up to our AD, how about BYU? He said, I'll get back to you. He must have had Tom's number on speed dial or something because he called me back within a couple hours later it's on. I'm like whoa, that was pretty quick. I have great resources for them. for Taki is the program, their players, the type of young men they have. They're similar to our young men, great kids, great people. I know what the school stands for. I have to make sure that our team's ready to play a really good football team that's got a lot of returners coming back on their team.
3: Hanson Scouting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 975, 1280 the zone, and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK,
0: it's 975 at 1280 the zone. It's time to bring in The TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Jack, His weekly interview presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family, and yours. Bowler,
4: good morning. Hey, DJ, PK. How are you? Good. We're good. I thought maybe PK would be singing a little Santana coming back.
2: Well, I've been telling DJ for many years he's got to change his evil ways, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's out there with Gina Joan and a who knows who. He's been running around (laughs) Uh, all over town. You got all
4: over town. Yeah. You know what? When all this all this, you know, gets back to normal PK. You know, it's concert time, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, We've uh, got a little Christmas savings. I think I got like twenty five hundred bucks in concert tickets refunded to me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I've heard was, that there are going to be two shows in November because Salt Lake is going from uh, orange to yellow.
2: Well, t- I wasn't ready to make that announcement yet, DJ.
0: <laughs>
2: Man,
4: this is big
0: I, news. I have, on, <laughs> I have it on very good authority. I don't know Breaking. what the shows are, but there are going to be a couple shows, so keep your ear to the ground.
4: Yeah, I had to get a refund for ZZ Top and uh, Def Leppard. <laughs> bummer i was looking forward to that one
0: speaking of bummers how about that mike conley shot that would have won the series coming out
4: oh so close uh you know what an inch maybe two um you know then the argument is why were the jazz in that position up three one but man it was a hard-fought series there's some good talent on that floor uh on both sides and it was about uh, as entertaining as you would want um, you know, those are tickets, PK, DJ. That you know, everyone would say if you could get into the building, <laughs> I would have paid to see. Right? I mean, it was uh, it was a battle with Jamal Murray, who's obviously taking his game to uh, uh, another high level. And Donovan proved a lot of things. I think not only as a 23 year old, but as a player, but also just as an individual and the way that he he's made a stand. Uh, pretty impressive. Really, really impressive uh, things to do. And I think the Jazz uh, with Donovan, that's the direction. Obviously, they want to go. And all indications, you know, points that a max contract is coming his way when free agency occurs. And don't forget Bogdanovich will be, will return. That was the one piece that really was mentioned much. I don't think the Jazz wanted to even really make that a, a piece of the conversation during their time, guys, down in the bubble. But, you know, still, um, I thought they laid it on the floor, and you saw Donovan actually lay on the floor i think in exhaustion and uh frustration and disappointment you know after the shot it if you look at that one replay, guys, did you see Donovan put his hands in the air yep. you know, he's a pretty good predictor right of when shots are going down and I thought you know he thought it was it was good, but game of inches and it didn't it didn't drop.
2: I tend to get caught up in what is going now. A lot of people think, oh, back in the day it was better. But for me, I'm I'm sort of the opposite, so I have to catch myself. But listening from start to finish, and you go on our website and listen to it for folks out there who haven't heard, Donovan Mitchell's post-game Zoom interview, as far as what he was putting out there about himself, the pain that he felt, the conviction to get better for himself and for the team, I literally thought it was the best post-game series ending from the losing team's perspective, which is a lot of dashes there, interview that I've ever heard.
4: Yes, I would totally agree. Um, You know, he had nine turnovers, PK, and there was no hiding from anything, right? Um, He took it upon himself to say this, and he kind of reviewed uh, you know, the series and the eight-second call and all the things that went right and wrong. And, you know, he didn't hide from any of the mistakes that were that were made by him. And I found a guy that just continues to impress me. Uh, I can't remember when we all sit back thinking, what were you doing at 23? It's something, you know, you weren't that proud of. But we were trying to make our way, right? Um and he's he's just a, really an interesting and incredible young man. Um, I just was most impressed that he said, look, you know, uh, it's me. I can do better. Um, and he didn't try to – you know, he took it upon himself to take blame, but not all the blame, and he shouldn't. But I, I really thought it was a, a very impressive. And I, I'm with you, PK. They ought to – you know, I hope people listen to it if they have – so let's say differing opinions about Donovan, I think that tells you a lot about the young man right there in that post-game interview for sure.
0: So I'm curious, as Quinn tinkers with this in the offseason, how much is going to change? Because in the regular season, and really what we've seen over a couple of years, is the idea is have multiple guys who can handle the ball and run pick-and-rolls. Don't worry about who the point guard is, right? Joe could be initiating it. Mike Conley could be starting it. And obviously Donovan could be starting it. And that gives you a chance to pick on the matchup you want. But if Donovan is going to play at this level that produces 50-point games, is this team going to switch to more of the, uh, well, (laughs) the guy who's now the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash? Uh, Is it going to be more Steve Nash, Phoenix Suns, where it's like, well, put the ball in this guy's hands because that's always your best matchup because look at the level he's playing at
4: that is a great question because again Quinn's theory as you just uh, expertly explained is pick and roll at the rim, threes, ball handlers and just you know get the open shot, right? And rotate the ball on the perimeter until the shot the best shot becomes available. Uh, Yeah, the Nash theory would be uh, dribble, dribble, fine, fine, you know, draw in defenders and then, you know, make his move. I don't know. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell needs to be the point guard, so to speak, right? Um, Or they get away from multiple ball handlers, and Donovan is uh, the one that dictates the rhythm of this team. It's intriguing to think what that would be. Uh, I think Joe, honestly, Seems more comfortable when he brings a ball up the court and has a chance to survey the defense and then make decisions and pulls a trigger on a three. I like the way he started in game seven, right? Five quick points. I thought that, that's a great sign because Joe really is a big piece of this team, heart and soul, and to get him started early is a good thing. And then that just kind of, you know, uh, died away. But yeah, there's a lot of questions. I think the Bogdanovich question too is, you know, bringing him back, and and obviously he's part of that starting rotation, no doubt about it. Do you resign? And hopefully, I think a lot of fans think they re-sign Jordan Clarkson. Uh, what do you do with the Gobert on an on an extension on the max deal? Uh, would he take less uh, to mo- potentially bring in another another piece of this puzzle? Uh, again, every year we have this discussion about what ifs and no difference. Uh, You just keep thinking, man, it's just close. There's good things uh, that you see. I think also adding another bench guy is very important, strengthening the bench, another option there for Quinn. So a lot to be done in a short period of time. When we play again, I don't know, but there's a lot to be done uh, before we get to December or the first of the year.
2: Yep, you took the words right out of my mouth as far as what I think they need. Another bench guy. You know, they tried it with Jeff Green, and it didn't work. They shipped him out. But I think they need that type of player. Not not. I mean, When I say that type of player, I'm talking about a veteran guy who understands, you know, like a younger Joe Johnson. I thought Joe Johnson, man, I wish they would have gotten him four years earlier. Come in here. You know your role. You know exactly what we're looking for. You're all about business. I always thought Joe was the ultimate professional in everything he did. He was just here to play basketball and help the Jazz win ball games. And whatever you ask him to do, he'll do it. And he can come up big, maybe not the course of 82, but in given situations he still had it. And that's what every team needs to improve. But I think that if I identify one area – where they need improvement, it's in that bench to have another option that you can count on most nights alongside Clarkson.
4: Yeah, I like your thought about Joe Johnson four years younger, right? Oh, man, that would have been uh, that's the perfect combo, I think, uh, that fits Quinn's system. And I, I'm going to ask you guys this. I think with Donovan making those statements that he did in the bubble, both on and off the floor in the sense of the direction he wants the league to go, uh, and what he stands for, uh, and the performance that he put together in those seven games, and an all-star, obviously, this year. I think when it comes to having players' ears, this may be the best situation that Jazz has been in, maybe in the entire franchise history, to actually have play other players' ears as Donovan recruits players' and says, if, you know, why not? Join me. I think it's a real, a real positive. Uh, the extension comes at the right time, and that he is a real focal point in the league right now, and that he has the ability to say, you know, look, and even to the franchise, not to control the Millers or Quinn Snyder, but to make his voice heard about pieces needed, and the ability that players actually want to play with him. I don't know if you guys agree, but I thought about it a lot last night watching uh, you know, the Thunder and, and the Rockets, and I just wondered, wow, how where is Donovan in that ability to be a voice in this league where players actually have enough respect to say, yeah, I'm coming, I want to work with you, and I want to make something special happen?
0: Yes, I see your point. I just think that point would have been accentuated if they'd found a way to beat the Nuggets and take the Clippers to six because it would say to the rest of the league, look how close they are. Now, maybe if the Nuggets take it to six, people are savvy enough, players, agents, and all that, to say, well, there's really not that much difference one through seven. When you're seventh, it sounds like you're a long way from first, but if the Clippers end up winning the championship – who's really going to say the Mavericks are that far away? I mean, did you watch that series? You know, Porzingis was kind of a bit player because of his availability with ejections and injuries, and it was a six-gamer. So, you know, there's really not that big a gap.
4: Well, it's the West, right? I mean, you're right. I mean, every year you look at the same top eight, nine, and ten who fight and fight to get in. Uh, it's a it's a hell of a conference, and we're and we we've seen that to this point. To your point, you're right, and it's you're just everyone's just not that far away, and you t- keep tinkering with your lineups to wonder what that missing piece would be, and uh, you know, I and again, PK, you throw Bogdanovich back in. We keep forgetting that we lost 20 points in a 41 percent three point shooter, but uh, I, I think obviously he's going to uh, solidify the lineup even more, and there's more options there. But I keep thinking that one other piece, and we I guess this is a common discussion on talk radio in every city, right? Gosh, is that one piece, what is it? And it has to be the right one. It's a tough decision and a tough, uh, you know, uh, the, to have that continuity and the, uh, uh, I don't know, I guess you, you've got to have the right guy who buys into the system, right, who fits the system as well. So, uh, again, another interesting offseason ahead. And a short one, most likely.
2: We're talking about this earlier. It's funny that uh, the Steve Nash news has come about because I was contemplating Donovan Mitchell's ceiling these last few days. And obviously, we're all impressed. And, you know, for those people who are upset, and there's some of them out there about the social activism, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Donovan Mitchell can do jumping jacks during the national anthem if that's the thing he's best expressing himself. Because what I want from these guys is to ball out between the floor. And that would be the the lines on the floor because that's that's what they're paid to do, essentially. And he did that. And I was thinking about his impact. And the name kept coming up to me before we heard about Nash getting back into coaching was he can have the same kind of impact on his team that Steve Nash had. And we'll go with the Suns when that was his finest time. When he and I realize it's a two-time MVP, MVP, so the bar is it's set extremely high. I don't know about the MVP stuff, but I do believe Mitchell can have a similar impact on his team that. Nash had, recognizing that Nash individually was a great player, but also when you look at Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion and some of the other guys, clearly their best times in the NBA were when they were playing with Nash. I believe Mitchell can have that kind of impact on himself and his team.
4: Yeah, no argument. No argument there. What happens, you just said, is you take other players and because you play with a player like Nash or Donovan Mitchell, right, PK, they become better. Uh, as a group and uh, leadership is an important thing in in any aspect of what you do in business and sports or what have you. And, uh, but the talent level there uh, I don't know if that's an, you're right about the MVP talk, but you know, Hey, the, the stars align, so be it. But multiple all-star appearances, very productive, And, you know, I saw the other um, storyline a couple of days ago. Finally, they've labeled Donovan Mitchell as D-Wade 2.0. Now, look, you know, there's still a long ways to go, but you see the potential and the possibilities, right? And I I think that a a player like Donovan or like a Steve Nash just makes other players around him better. Stockton – did that. Malone did that. Those are special names in jazz franchise history. And here's one that, you know, that wants to be it too. PK and DJ Donovan wants to be the guy. And I'm not knocking Hayward, but look, everyone knows he, he didn't really want that role. And the reason why he went on to Boston, you know, play for coach, whatever for Brad Stevens. But here is a guy that really wants to be the guy and those are rare, rare individuals who come into that position, much like a Steve Nash that ran the Suns for so long. So, you know, again, maybe we're on the maybe the Jazz are on the cusp of that uh, with what Donovan accomplished in, in, in the bubble.
0: I think that if you listen to the entire post game, you know, it's easy to say I want to be the guy. Anybody can say anything. You know, how are you in, in tough moments and getting interviewed after a game seven loss? That's a tough moment. Uh, But his uh, take no prisoners attitude, even when assessing himself, I just think that really if you were if you were watching and listening to that, you could really feel how badly he wanted to get better. And because we've already seen him get better and because we've I I think for some people, um, well, and, and probably me trying to figure out what his ceiling was and thinking he's already exceeded what I considered to be his ceiling early on, admitting that even then you don't really know in a rookie it's really hard to set a ceiling, but wherever I would have set it, it didn't include what I just saw in that playoff series. And yet watching that playoff series, I know he can still get better. Yeah, so that's that's the exciting absolutely. thing. Yeah, Yeah, Is,
4: I think, again, better ball handling, decision-making, uh, handling the pressure, you know, it's, you know, he took it onto himself. I think both you guys would agree in those final quarter and a half to say, all right, all right, I'm, I'm going to bring this team back. We're going. And I think, again, with pressure, you know, there's mistakes that are made. But he's the main ball handler. He's making some of those decisions. And I'm, you're right. I think he gets better in those uh, crunch time situations even more so than he was. And um, somebody asked me the other uh, – yesterday – uh, that was just, you know, trying to play for the cameras falling on the floor. I said, are you kidding me, man? The guy was spent emotionally, you know, when, that, when the ball rimmed out and came out. I mean, Donovan Mitchell had given all he could and laid it on the floor. That's kind of the definition of, of what we say. And I I've I totally believe that was a moment in his mind where he just had to take a breath and just said, you know, damn. Um, and probably a little bit more uh, stronger language than that. But, you know. Uh, I thought it was cool Jamal Murray came over and helped pick him up. And there was a moment there again where you see two guys who battled their hearts out. Sadly, the Jazz didn't make it to round two. But uh, I, have, I have no problem with Donovan, the way that he, you know, tried to you know, bring the Jazz back all by himself. And, hey, Conley was close, right? It, it's just that close. Um, but, again, the Utah Jazz have to also understand you can't lose 3-1 leads, and that's part of this process uh, that I think that, we'll, that Donovan is going to lead the way on. And another lesson, I know people get tired of that, but it is, a, it is a process, man. I think they feel the same way in Portland with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. What's it going to take? And uh, sooner or later, you know, you may have to make some tough decisions with that guard line, too. But I think the Jazz are young enough with Donovan that and what I saw without Bogdanovich, uh, there was uh, impressive moments and, and stretches there that you got to still feel good about.
2: So I had heard a rumor that if the jazz organization buys the RSL soccer team, that you will take over as the play-by-play on TV. And I want to just say that I hope that happens.
4: Well, I, you know, that's I didn't want that to break on radio. <laughs> no, <laughs> that just means David James is uh, even bigger part of the jazz family, right? If that all happens.
2: Oh, he can do that monarchs thing. That's very important.
4: Okay. All right. No, no, no. EJ, I tell you, man, I mean, I don't know if this is if those rumors are true, but uh, what if what a sports edition that would be, huh?
0: At the so, game uh, last night talk no, I have commented I have plenty of comments. We can talk about all day long. Remember <laughs> me. Uh <laughs> if, <laughs> talking to people there, they're not sure. Yeah. People are they they're not sure how this is gonna break. You know, it's uh you know, how, how do people want to – how do a couple of really – everyone has heard the same thing. There's, there might be some third or fourth party out there that could be a serious bidder. I think if the Josie Altidore, uh, J.J. Watt thing came through it, with them as the main pieces, that, that would be a little surprising to people right now. I think uh, Qualtrics you, and LHM this, are the two things everybody's looking at right now.
4: Does this team leave? Does this team what? Does it leave Salt Lake City or does it stay? Uh,
0: I don't. I don't think so. I think there's too much real estate involved. There's I mean, you can never, you there. can never rule out a trillionaire saying, "I want to move the Sonics to Oklahoma City." I don't care, trillionaire. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you can't rule that out. But if you were making a deal that made the most financial sense, if you're buying a stadium and a massive training academy with another stadium on the grounds, and you're buying a charter high school, you're going to keep the team here. I mean, that yeah. that ain't well, every,
4: every piece you need is here. Right. There's no doubt. Every yeah. piece. Uh, Because that stadium is about as good as it gets, by the way. That's a a beautiful uh, piece of property, as we know. And you're right. The real estate is is probably one of the the biggest. um, I can't think of another deal that would involve so much real estate and stadiums, right? And uh, academies and um, offshoots of Real. So, yeah, Uh, the smart move would be to find a buyer that would agree to keep it in Salt Lake City. That's probably the most profitable for both sides.
0: And in a couple years, there's a decent chance it'll be a uh, league-wide network. that won't be local broadcasts. It'll look more like the NFL. Don't rule that out. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bowler, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for checking in. By the way, Bowler. You are presented by University of Utah Health, trusted mm. health care provider. For the Utah Jazz family and yours, with 16 neighborhood health centers, U of U Health has a game plan for your family's care. Visit uofuhealth.org slash jazz. I appreciate
4: that. Guys, um, we'll talk soon. Thanks for the time.
3: Thanks, Bowler. DJ and PK 97.5
4: 1280 The Zone.
3: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Hey, let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network.
0: I can't, was it Thursday or Friday? Yock, do you remember? I thought it was a Friday. Was it Friday. a Friday? So, yeah, that's what
2: I thought, too. So I think it was BYU-Utah Thursday. We had Utah State Friday. And I think right. we were supposed to play somebody on Saturday. We had a pretty good weekend. Well, Alex would have been
0: getting mentally prepared 24 hours out. Yeah, and, uh,
2: yeah that's what I thought it was. I'd have to double-check it. Because in my mind, when it first came out, I thought the same thing that you guys thought. I know what I'm going to be doing, and I'm going to be relishing it. I'm going to be friggin pig and mud here.
0: Oscar says Utah would have won the game because they got better coaching and better players. It's the same reason that they've won every game since this streak started, really.
2: (laughs) Okay, but how about before the streak started?
0: Well, then maybe not so much. (laughs) I think the uh, I think the talent level was more uh, comparable. Right? They didn't have any built-in advantages. Uh, they're both okay. the, and at the West. Same time, they both had the, the same Cougars, TV deals. Yeah,
2: but they're a two-point conversion away. Yeah. Oh, they've had chances. They've they had a rookie had offensive coordinator who didn't give the guy options, and they, they had two NFL at NFL quarterback
0: Had a field goal to tie and force overtime yeah. three
2: times. And then everybody knows full well that bowl game. It was another five minutes. BYU oh, Imagine, there it. it is. Come on. Everybody knows that. Even the most diehard hard Ute fan could understand that, can't they?
0: Daniel says uh, Utah would have beaten BYU. They've got their number. And I checked. I just clicked on his profile, and he's sitting there wearing Cougar gear. So I think that's a BYU well, yeah, fan. yeah, see,
2: then you change your number. I mean, that's <laughs> easily accomplished.
0: You just get a new number, and you're good to go. Brian says the streak would have continued to 10. Irregardless, it won't be played, so I'll probably be mowing my lawn instead. Tonight, uh, I you give guess it a big so. ol' ear regardless. Nice work. Uh-huh. All right, more in a moment. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone.